What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Westridge Young Adult Podcast. I am Brad Chandler, and I am flying solo today for the podcast. That's right. I'm alone here in the closet where we do the podcast. My wife was busy today and was not able to be a part of the episode. So I won't be alone, though, completely, because it'd be awkward for me to just sit here and talk for 30 minutes by myself. So what we're going to do is something a little bit different. We haven't done anything quite like this on the podcast, where we're going to interact with a sermon from Westridge that Pastor Brian gave. He's our senior pastor at the church uh, back in August. So this isn't one from you know last Sunday or anything like that. Uh, although, shout out to a new Westridge podcast we're going to be putting out. I believe it's called The Next Steps Podcast. And it'll be about a 30-minute podcast that'll come out weekly where they're going to break down the teaching from each week. Excited for that. I think that's going to be really cool. So you can check westridge.com for more info on that as we roll that out here in the next week or two. But today, we are not going to be doing that. We're going to look at a sermon from back in August. And it's one that I really loved at the time when I heard it and one that I think is super applicable if you're like, what does applicable mean? Google it, because it means it applies to us right now. And it's all about unity. Uh, unity is one of those things that the world is longing for, in particular our nation, our country, and really the church has struggled with unity for ever since its existence back in the New Testament. So I wanted to kind of interact with that teaching because Brian did a great job of breaking down some uh, truths from Scripture. And uh, so we're going to look at that here in just a little while. But before we do that, thought we'd keep it a little light up front with just some basic touching base of a couple things. Um, number one is I got to go to the vet today, which, can I just say, trips to the vet are uh, they're, they're kind of like trips to the actual doctor. They're just not fun. Like you get the not good vibes at them because they potentially mean pain like a shot or something like that. Uh, you're going to have to pay for it with money, and I just don't like doing that. But I, I had to go to the vet because my dog, who is, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, we got a puppy a few months ago at the end of August. So she's about five months old, and she ate a sock. She ate one of my son's socks, and this is the second sock she's eaten. The first one was one of my wife's socks, uh, one of April's socks. It was one of her workout socks, and I think dogs like the smell of, like, sweat and stuff like that. So she ate April's sock and then threw it up later. We didn't even know she ate it, but she threw it up later. Uh, This morning, she ate a sock. We saw it happen. We were trying to get it away from her, and in the process, she swallowed that thing down. So... We were a little bit nervous about it. It's a little bit bigger sock than the sock she had before because of the material it's made of. And so we were trying to get her to throw up, hoping she would throw it up, but at the same time not wanting it to go through the digestive system and get stuck or anything crazy. So had to take her to the vet. They gave her some medicine to make her throw up. And so I'm just hanging out at the vet waiting for my dog to throw up, which is so fun. And eventually she does, which is good because now we know she's good and there's no more sock in her stomach. So uh, that's been part of my day. And I just thought I'd share that with you because why not? You know, it's life. I don't know what you've got going on in your life, but 
if you got any vet visits or doctor's visits, I hope they go well. I hope you haven't eaten a sock and have to throw it up. And with all that, I don't think there's a better segue that we could have than a conversation about unity. (laughs) That's a terrible segue, guys. I'm sorry. This is what happens when I'm alone. April's not here to help it be smooth. But we're going to talk about the talk from August. So if you want to go back and listen to this full thing, I would highly encourage you to do that, especially if you like some of the things we talk about today. Uh, You can find it on our website, westers.com. And then at the top, you will find a tab for messages. Watch and listen, I believe, is the actual tab. And you can see previous sermons or messages there. And you can click on that and find the one from August about unity. And so I've just taken a handful of clips from this teaching. And we're going to listen to them together. I'm going to talk about it for just a second, why I thought it was a great thought, great idea, and then we will move on to the next thing and keep on doing that for a few clips, and uh, hopefully we'll all be a little bit smarter by the end of this thing and a little bit tighter, a little bit closer, a little bit more unified. That's the goal. So without any further ado, here's the first clip. But in John chapter 17, you know, we look at Jesus, he's preparing his disciples for his departure from this world, and he prays that his disciples and his followers would would experience unity. He says to them, he says, I am praying, Father, that they will be one. In the book of Ephesians, we, we, we are commanded to make unity a priority in the church. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and in chapter four, verse three, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So unity is set as a priority, is the idea here, and it's mentioned multiple times in the New Testament by the apostles. Unity has been an issue. It was an issue back then and continues to be an issue. And so he is addressing this, it's being addressed multiple times through scriptures because it's something we need to strive for and we need to fight for. And it needs to be something that's represented in our churches and through those of us that are following after Jesus. Unity should be a thing. And if it's not present, then one, it's destructive and it's hurtful, but two, it's also evidence that maybe uh, we need to take an honest look at ourselves and see why. So Brian continues, uh, and so we'll check out this next clip from that teaching. Now, unfortunately, from the earliest days of the church, we, we see this issue of disunity raise its ugly head time and time again, even in the pages of the Bible. We see it in the book of Acts. We see disunity between Paul and Barnabas. We see disunity between Peter and Paul. We see in Mark chapter 9, the disciples are arguing amongst each other about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Paul's letter to the church of Corinth was actually a rebuke to them because they were abusing their spiritual gifts. And as a result of that, there was conflict going on in the church. We see Paul addressing a conflict in the book of Philippians between two women in the church at Philippi. And honestly and unfortunately, I could go on and on and on. And the fact is the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of unity in the church. So I told you it's been an issue for a while. And Brian referenced uh, several things right there that you can read about all through the New Testament where there's conflict, there's issues, there's disunity, and those things when they're not addressed, become pretty big issues and pretty big distractions from the kingdom of God expanding and the church being healthy. And I think all of us would agree. I mean, that's what we see in our own life when we don't have unity, when there's conflict, unresolved issues, conversations not happening. 
Uh, it's not good for businesses. It's not good for relationships. And it's certainly not good for the church. And so uh, Brian continues here. I've seen conflict and disunity over the use of spiritual gifts, over whether a pastor is preaching exegetical or expository or topical. And some of you are going, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's part of the church. Or whether a church is reformed or Arminian or traditional. Lately, over the last couple of years, there's been disunity just in the big C church about the role of women in the church or the role of politics in the church. There's conflict and disunity anytime change happens. So anytime even change happens here at Westridge, I have to brace myself a little bit because I know that there's possibly a chance of disunity on the horizon. For the most part, people do not like change. That is something that's a bit universal. And a lot of those things he just mentioned are things I can confirm that people have had issues with and has caused disunity in the church here recently uh, with the topics of Reformed theology and uh, things like that. And if similar to what he said, if you don't know what that is, it's okay. Uh, if you do know what it is, then you probably know what I'm talking about, how it can become a divisive thing. Uh, it really shouldn't, but it can. And so we've got to make sure to stay on guard and not let that happen. And when he says Big C Church, he's talking about the church universal. When you talk Little C Church, you're talking about a specific church, like for us, Westridge. So uh, he continues to address the issue of unity here. Because unity is our witness to the world that there's something different about us that our lives have been changed, that, that we have a unique power living inside of us that gives us the ability to live above and beyond the climate of culture. Here's how Jesus said it in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, listen, this is how people will actually know that you're following me and, 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 how, and they'll, they'll know that you're actually imitating my life, that there's something different about you. It said, he says, it, it's your love for one another. And this is a big one because when Christians aren't doing this, when we aren't loving one another and we don't have unity, it's very hypocritical not only to those of us in the church but those outside of the church. It just doesn't make sense. And so in a lot of ways it turns people away, turns people off to this idea of Christianity and of Jesus because the followers of Jesus aren't able to even get along. Uh, and their message of love and grace and acceptance doesn't seem to really match up. So it's uh, for sure a huge way to let people know that we know Jesus and we know what real love is because of the way we live it out with one another and how we love each other. The Apostle Paul gives us a solid, relevant word on the issue of unity in chapter 14. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the churches in Rome in chapter 14, verse 19. He says, so then let us, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The Apostle Paul says that if there's going to be unity, we have to pursue it. And then he mentions a word and even a phrase to describe what it actually looks like. He talks about peace and building one another up, that's unity. And Paul says, not only do we need to have the right attitude, which is peace, but we need to have the right actions, which is all about building one another up. Well, where do we start with that? How do we make that happen, especially in light of all that's going on around us right now? This is the key. Scripture has to be our guide. This book right here, this book cannot be a secondary source of information for you during this time. 
Everything that you believe must be filtered through the words of this book right here. This book must inform your politics. This book must inform you know, how you look at social matters today. It must inform how you see the church. It must inform how you see our country right now. It must inform how we treat one another. And this book, of course, I'm sure you've guessed it, is the scriptures, it's the Bible. So um, he is talking about this idea that we've got to pursue this. This isn't something that just happens. And it happens through actually trying to attain it and go after it. And you go after it by using scripture, using the Bible to live your life, by allowing that to speak into how you live your life. And if we are doing that collectively as the church, as the people who know and follow Jesus, then just that in of itself is unifying and brings unity because we're living the same way according to the same thing. And uh, so when we don't actually read it, it makes it really hard to pursue it. So here's something else uh, Brian had to say. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 14, he says, first of all, he says, listen, we're called to pursue unity. Now, whenever you see the words, let us, like you do here in verse 19, listen, God is not giving us a suggestion. He's not even throwing out a good idea. He is giving us a command. This is important to know because this is a command to be unified as the church. And God doesn't do this with everything, but he definitely does it with some things, the things that are the most important. And so unity is one of those things. It is one of the most important things for us as followers of Jesus and as people who are meant to know the way uh, and to be experiencing real life is to have unity in our life. And so we're commanded to do it. We're commanded to pursue it. We're commanded to be exemplifying it in the way we live, the way we talk, our attitudes towards one another, our social media posts, which Brian's going to talk about here in a little while. Uh, So all those things are at play and helpful when we're having this conversation. And so, uh, Brian, this is our longest snippet from the sermon, but here's Brian again. And in Romans chapter 4, Paul actually talks about what was dividing the church back at that time, the non-essential things that were literally creating division in the church in Rome. And he mentions three things, and they all start with the letter D. First of all, Paul talks about diet. In Romans chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, Paul tells us that, that there were those that were arguing over what a Christian should or should not eat. There were those that, that in the church that said it was okay to eat meat offered to idols, and then there were those that said you shouldn't meet, eat meat at all. And Paul says, listen, it's a disputable, it's a disputable matter. It's, it's just a preference. Being a Christian doesn't consist of what you do and don't, do not eat. If a person wants to live on Big Macs and Whoppers, that's their prerogative. Then he talks about days. In Romans 14, verse 5 and 6, he says, There were those that said you must worship on Saturday, which was the Sabbath for the Jews back at that time. There, and those who said you must worship on Sunday because that's the Lord's day. This would be our modern version of online church or meeting in person. Paul says it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter how you do it as long as you worship. And then the last thing Paul mentions that was very divisive in the church was the, the issue of drink. There were those that said it was okay to drink alcohol in moderation, and then there were those that said you can't drink at all. And what he says in verse 17 is, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying don't lose focus on what's most important in God's kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't lose your unity. And he says in verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything indeed is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. And Paul, I don't know if you can sense this, but he's pleading with these churches in Rome and he's saying, listen, don't destroy what God is doing in the church over non-essential preferences or opinions. So preferences and opinions were the source of disunity back in the early church. And preferences and opinions continue to be the thing that divide us and cause disunity in our, our churches today just as much as it was then. And it's crazy and it's sad and it's the reason we're talking about this today is it's such a big deal and it's something that so easily can pop up and happen. And so we've got to be on guard towards it and be aware of it so that we, we can fight for unity. And when I say fight, I don't mean adversarially fight with one another. I mean fight within our own hearts uh, for unity and for us to want to pursue unity and not allow these little preferences and opinions to become bigger deals than they really need to be. So here's Brian again. So how are we called to pursue unity? Well, first of all, Paul says we need to make it our goal. Verse 19, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. He says, so then let us aim, let us pursue, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. I just want to give you a few suggestions from my heart for the day that we're living in right now. We need to be grace givers. There's so much going on. There's so much being posted. There's so many things that are being said right now. Brothers and sisters, have we see things through different lens, through different backgrounds. We, we just need to be, this needs to be a season of grace. And every season needs to be a season of grace, which I'm sure Brian would say and is what he's saying here. So, I mean, grace is so huge in talking about this, and that's having grace for one another. I mean, we have to be able to hear other people's perspectives and their opinions and their thoughts and be gracious towards that. And that's for all of us. And if we're all being gracious to one another, then it makes sense that we would have more unity. So that's only going to help us and benefit us as people individually, but also collectively as the church. So grace is so huge. And I love that point, uh, not only that Brian makes, but of course that God's making and encouraging us with. So here's the next clip. There's so much discouragement in this world right now. There are so many people who are de depressed and distressed. And we have, to, we have this opportunity right now in front of us to be a band of encouragers. Let's not miss this. We live in this culture where the followers of Jesus actually want to cancel each other out. Like, I don't, I don't like what so-and-so said, so I'm done with them. Listen, that mentality is the opposite of the life and the teaching and the way of Jesus. I've heard people say before, if so-and-so votes this way or they think this way or believe this way, I'm having nothing to do with them anymore. I won't even try to sit down with them and to hear their heart or hear their thoughts. They're canceled out of my life. That attitude flies in the face of scriptures or even of being a disciple of Jesus. We have to become people of grace. We have to become people of forgiveness. We have to become people of understanding. We have to become people of hope and pursuers of unity. These are all awesome reminders of the things that we've got to be pursuing, you know? Like, I, I, what's great about listening to this is I, I think all of you would agree with me in that we all resonate with that, right? We all want to be those kind of people. 
And because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us, we can be those people and should be those people and commanded to be those people. So let's do it. Let's be those people. And in doing that, we'll bring peace and we'll bring unity and we'll bring hope into situations and into relationships and into people's lives. Then we also need to be, we need to handle conflict the, the biblical way. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, 15. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, he says, you've gained your brother. Then the verses beyond that go on to say, if you don't get anywhere with them, take two or more people with you. If that doesn't work, then involve the church. Listen, nowhere does, does Jesus say, if your brother sins against you, gossip about them to your friends and then call them out publicly on Facebook. He never mentions that. Actually, in, verse, in, 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 in Matthew 5, 23, Jesus actually says, if you are in church worshiping, whether it's in a building or online, and you realize that your brother has something against you, you've hurt them or, or, or offended them, you are actually supposed to take responsibility and leave worship and go make things right with your brother and then come back and worship. That's how highly God values relationships between Christians. That's, that's the high price tag that God puts on unity in the church. So I included this clip uh, very intentionally because this continues to seem to be an issue with the more and more we use social media and the more and more people use that as a platform to have really kind of bigger conversations that maybe shouldn't be happening on social media um, because it's causing a lot of division and it's causing a lot of um, people to walk away from Christianity, from the church, from Jesus ultimately. And so if there's issues like that, we, we've got to work those out. We got to, we've got to actually figure out how to work those out and know what God is calling us to do to work those out the right way. And so that's what Brian's calling us to there is biblical reconciliation and making sure that we make things right with other believers. So here's the second to last clip from Brian. Let's be different. Let's show the world how to live the right way during tough times. Let's, let's be people of reconciliation. Let's, let's, let, let's be people of, of hope and peace and faith. If possible, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Everyone. I love that that's what it says. It's not be at peace with just this certain group of people or these certain types of personalities. It's be at peace with everyone. That's what we're called to be is peacemakers for everyone, like we're, we're, we're not meant to be at conflict, in conflict with people. We're meant to be at peace. So uh, I love Brian's encouragement there. Amen to all those things. And so uh, praying and hoping we can do that, especially uh, all of us that are following after Jesus and young adults that are in college classrooms and in the workplace and uh, hanging out with friends and family. So here's the last clip from Brian. Our world more than ever before desperately needs to see Jesus. The average person, listen, they're, they're not going to see Jesus at work. They may not see him on social media, probably not. I would say they're not going to see him maybe even in their own home. So I say, why not my life? Why not your life? It's our lives that do the talking and do the showing of who Jesus really is. And... That requires our words, and that requires our actions, and that requires um, 
our lives to be surrendered to him and lived out in front of those people. And again, this is why it's so awesome and important that the Holy Spirit lives in us now and enables that to happen. And we can be these people of grace and we can be these people of peace and people who are bringing hope into situations and working things out biblically uh, with um, a degree of humility and honor for the other person that we're dealing with. And so love all these encouragements from this talk. Again, I can't recommend enough you go in and listen to the entire teaching. These are just little snippets from it, some things that I thought were really, uh, really cool and relevant, but the entire talk is great. And so I hope it's an encouragement to you. I mean, that's the intent with this. This is not meant to beat anybody up or make anybody feel guilty or bad. Um, This is just meant to call us to what God calls us to, which is let's be people of unity, man. Let's be people who are bringing each other together and who are loving each other well. And in that, we will help people see Jesus. And we do it in Jesus' name. We do it for his sake. And we lift him up as we're doing that. And so uh, I know I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for you. And uh, that we as the church would be able to do that as well. So a couple other things I wanted to tell you guys about before we wrap up the podcast today. We will be back with a new episode next week, and April will be joining me again. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And in addition to that, I just want to make sure that we keep a few things in front of you. Young Adults is the ministry of Westridge Church that is for 18 to 30-year-olds. So if you are 18 to 30, you live in the Northwest Atlanta area, we would love to help get you connected into our church, into a church, Ultimately, we just want to help you know God. So uh, if you'd like more information or want to help us help you, help us help you, then you can reach out to us at 770-222-2125. That's the phone number if you'd like to call. Or if you want to just check us out on the web, you can go to westridge.com and all the info about our church is right there. Uh, You can also follow us on Instagram, which is WRCYoungAdults. Um, on the gram and that'll keep you up to date on all the things young adults obviously you found this podcast which we try to put out every single week to encourage you and anyone who listens to it and other than that man we love you we hope you have an amazing week and hope that this was helpful to you today and until next week we'll talk to you later Hello. for more information about Westridge Church and our young adult ministry, please go to westridge.com slash YA.